This is Workflow, episode 16. Workflow is the podcast that helps teams figure out the best way to work, collaborate, and get stuff done. Brought to you by Rindle. Hey everyone, I'm Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're the co-founders of Rindle, and this is our podcast, Workflow. Today we're talking about four reasons project management methodologies fail. So before we do that, Tom, what's going on with you? Uh, not much, you know, another week. We had an interesting discussion uh, this morning about, like, both Brian and I have, have kids, and, and, you know, kids like to watch the same movie over and over and over again. So you end up buying that movie, and, and it's so difficult now. Like, when we were kids, uh, we just had, you know, um, VHSs uh, or, I guess, DVDs. Um, and, and nowadays, it's like, oh, you have to purchase the movie, but, like, what service do you buy it from? Like it's it's really an interesting thing because like you could buy it from you know your cable provider or you could buy it from apple or you could buy it from google or amazon or and like then you can't play it in certain places you make one decision over another so it's, uh, <laughs> it's a headache yeah it is really stressful i mean i think that people are generally you know making tough decisions about what ecosystems they live in i think most of us are probably like torn between a couple. Like I know I am, I have, you know, I love Apple. I generally, you know, I have Apple TV and I purchase my, my content usually through iTunes and Apple uh, sources. So then I use um, Amazon and I have prime and uh, prime video and, all, and I have Netflix. So I have all these sources and sure. uh, when it comes down to your house too, like I have an Alexa and like, things start to all tie together right and then you know people have nest thermostats and you're talking about well what 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 should i do what integrates with what how does everything tie together so you end up trying to like live in an ecosystem so everything makes sense and it's easy but i think inherently we end up with multiple but it's not yeah because nest is a google product right so like right yeah and they they all at this corporate level attempt to like you know fight with one another so like of course they, they they want you to get you know into their ecosystem with their products with you know chromecast and all these things they have to network your house you know so it makes the consumer's video. life hell it, right like it, it's really yeah. it's it's not cool um, yeah i think it's like you got to figure out what you like best and what's best for you there's different price points there's you know different integrations and functionality um, but yeah, I mean, as far as content, I've definitely, you know, I live in the Apple world for the most part outside of Netflix, uh, which is great for just, you know, you're paying one flat fee for a bunch of content, which is awesome. And they have some unique stuff on it. Um, and prime video, I just have just cause I'm a prime member and I use Amazon for like everything pretty much. Um, sure. so, you know, I'm pretty much living there, but when I buy a video, uh, or when I buy a movie, um, you know, it's from Apple. Sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, me and my wife, we try to stick with, um, like Amazon for, for most purchases, but like before, before that we bought some stuff on, um, on Fios, which are, is our cable provider. And now we feel like, oh, well, that's kind of annoying because it's sort of stuck there. And, and it's like, we have to remember, is it on, did we purchase it on Fios or did we purchase it on Amazon? And it's just, 
<laughs> I wish that there was an easy way that you could just be like, okay, here's all the stuff that I own. Uh, it doesn't matter what, you know, device that you're on. Right. And yeah, yeah, it's tough. it just isn't that way. You can just never move. It's fine. You just always, or just move anywhere in a Fios reach and you'll be fine. Yep. You'll be, be able to get back to your content. Yep. I guess that's, I guess that's it. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, I'm working on, uh, a new exercise routine, even though exercise is not my, my forte, but I am walking every day. Wow. Um, or, you know, about 50 minutes to a half an hour usually. Um, but you know, for various reasons, um, but it just breaking up the day, actually doing some activity. And then obviously I'm going to try to build on that, but, uh, you know, not my forte. So I'm pretty excited to actually have like a week under my belt of actually doing something every day and getting out of the house, especially working remotely. You know, I tend to want to sit in front of my computer and get stuff done, but yeah, I had to force myself sometimes to, you know, get outside. I used to try to go to Starbucks, but that's kind of annoying to work sometimes because it's loud and you can't have meetings necessarily or video calls uh, real easily. So um, getting outside so far is helpful, but, you know, we'll see what happens when it gets colder. Yeah, this time of the year, I mean, you know, I, I run like most of the year and this time of year, it's just so tough like uh as soon as it starts to get cold and dark early it's like like because in the summer i mean i i usually go for my runs at in the nighttime right um yeah and then now it's like come 7 30 it's pitch black outside so you're like i don't i'll just pass well if we were standing next to each other you'd definitely be able to tell which one is a runner and which one was the walker mm -hmm. yeah so one day i'll get up to running there you go um and I'm also, I'm also growing a beard. So I like, I grew a beard last winter. So I'm starting my beard. I, I already started it. Um, cause I started a little late last year and I actually really enjoyed having a beard. So a longer beard. So I, uh, I'm uh, starting to grow it now, but I, I'm getting into beard products now. So, you know, of course, cause you know, it is, it was really like last year, it was like really rough, right? Getting a little coarse and I didn't really, I'm not that fussy. So I didn't really get too much into it. But this time I did a little research and they have like beard oils and other like it's basically like hair conditioner um, and beard wax and other things. And I also got a really good like trimmer because my trimmer really doesn't make nice lines and all this stuff. Anyway, so I'm now equipped um, for my growing beard season um, and uh, shaping up my beard now and, and keeping it conditioned. So we'll see what happens. You'll have to let me know how that works out. Yeah, it really is, you know, there, there, there's an ecosystem of products as well for any kind of hobby or interest or anything you're doing. Um, there is some kind, somebody making money off that, which is always pretty interesting. Cool. So before we get started, you have any questions, topics, as always, uh, you know, reach out to us, let us know, we could tear them down, answer any questions you might have. Uh, you can call us on our voicemail number at 860-577-2293 or email us at workflow at rindle.com. Also, don't hesitate to leave us a review. Um, it really helps us reach more people, and it also uh, keeps us motivated to keep doing this every week, which some weeks it could be a little tough. <laughs> yep, but we need those reviews. Yes. <laughs> so if, if you're liking what you're hearing and you're liking the content, we would much appreciate it. All right, so on to the main topic. So. This was an article written by our very own Julianne on our blog. And um, it's, it's a topic that we always talk about generally and kind of a core to our beliefs. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. The article title was Top Four Reasons Why Your Project Management Methodology Fails. 
uh, and we'll link that up in the show notes so you can go check out that article. Um, but basically, Julianne outlined, you know, a few reasons why some of the complex project management methodologies that are out there, and there are a bunch, and she actually, you know, outlines them. Probably the most popular are Scrum and Kanban, but really talking about why, you know, the project management methodology, though proven and very process oriented, may fail you, which I thought was pretty cool. Definitely. Cool. So I guess we should uh, hop, hop right in and, and get to the reasons. So the first reason is complexity creates chaos. Yeah. And, you know, most project management methodologies are generally more complex. If you think of like, you know, a task list, the simplicity of a task list saying, hey, I'm going to make a list of things I need to do every day. And every day I'm going to check those things off uh, compared to some of the more formal project management methodologies that have uh, a lot of process uh, and what I always call overhead to them. Um, and generally, the more complex you make things, you know, the more chaos happens. And typically, I see this mostly in my experience as, you know, people are just generally confused, right? So sometimes you'll pick a methodology that, that you as a project manager, let's say, or a team lead are researching and saying, hey, we need to change the way we work. Let me go find a way to work. And you bring it back to the team. But, you know, same thing with the software adoption podcast we did some of the some of the same issues but you know you come back and they're like well what's scrum like what is scrum so you have a team possibly that doesn't know what the methodology is all about they're not experienced in it right so it can be very very confusing for people to kind of adopt really process complex heavy project management methodologies sure if there's a big learning curve to the project management methodology you're you're probably not going to have an easy time having it adopted right if there's like a lot of steps to it or, or you're having a lot of overhead as you said it's not going to be easily adopted and i i know i for one like if it's too complicated i just will opt just to not do anything with regard to it and instead of like well let me try to figure this out it's like it's, it's not it's not worth my time to try to figure that out for the most part right because it's like if it becomes a waste of time clearly it's missing the mark right Obviously, things take time to ramp up, sure. right? And, and yes. sometimes you have to put some time in and training and all that stuff. And, you know, nobody's nothing's perfect where even though some of our more simplistic approaches, you know, are definitely meant to get up and going like the visual workflow we promote um, or even like Kanban, which is to me the most simplistic PM methodology, which is, I think, a quicker uptime. But yeah, like, you know, it takes a little time to get going with anything. But I think sure. when, when anybody comes to you with like, okay, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to roll out Scrum and here's what Scrum's all about. You know, we're going to have sprints and those sprints are going to be two weeks long. Okay, 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 I wrap my head around that. Uh, you know, but in order to do a sprint, we have to plan a sprint and planning a sprint has a bunch of rules. You know, you have to assign story points and you have to figure out how many story points are, are in your sprint. And that's the velocity, right? And you start talking about all this stuff and then the glazed eyes start happening, oh, yeah, yeah. right? You know, where it's like, wait, wait a minute, what? And we're not even into you know, the rest of how the project runs yet. We haven't gotten into retrospectives and all of these things that happen in Scrum specifically. Sure. Um, so, you know, I think that's the worst part of it, like where it's just difficult when you start introducing something like that, where, where people generally, whether it's a PM methodology or something different, when they're kind of approached with complicated instructions or process, they're like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. 
Like, mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do with it. Like you're saying, I'd rather do nothing than do this. <laughs> sure. Well, and, and, and even more than like these form processes, it's even very specific processes that some project manager decided to make for, you know, within your organization. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the challenge too is that with some of the complexity, you may not even realize it until like you implement it. So sure, everything looks great on paper. Sometimes you research something, you, you look at some case studies, you look at examples of teams using whatever methodology you're looking at. You, you can envision yourself and your team using it. Um, but in order to get to a point where you're implementing it, it's going to cost probably money and training and resources and time to get there. And then you probably won't realize the complexity or the challenges you're going to face until you get to that point. Right. So it's sure. very hard to see the future with anything you do. Right. Um, so when you, when you start with a lot of overhead and you have to get from point A to point B, and that's going to involve training and time and all those things I mentioned, that makes it a higher risk, right? A failure, right? Because yeah. that at the end, you could be much more complex as opposed to saying, you know, even with any methodology, okay, here's the whole methodology. We're going to start with this piece of the methodology first, right? Or start with something very simple. And then it's a lot easier to kind of grow onto it. And you'll be able to tell a lot quicker, hopefully that, hey, this may not work or this part's working great. Let's move on to the next part or something like that. So it's just really hard to predict the future. And it's, it's definitely going to be an investment depending on the complexity. Well, and it also, it, it also requires um, a real dedicated project manager who, or product manager, depending on your scenario, um, who's really focused on, you know, just the methodology and just actually managing the, the project, right? Which a lot of times project managers aren't uh, lucky enough to have that luxury to actually just manage the project, right? Because project managers have to be doing a million other things uh, in most organizations. You see that a lot, especially in um, agency world, right? Where project managers not just actually managing the project, they're testing, they're writing copy, they're doing a bunch of other stuff because... I used to do all that stuff. I did exactly. copy, testing, I actually did UX, wireframes, all kinds of stuff yeah, that well, I probably shouldn't have been doing. And it's, it's a topic for another time, but like the project manager should be like focused on managing the project. Is the project going smoothly? Are all the steps like being taken, right? Like, yeah. Are we staying organized? You know, are, are we still doing yeah. the things needed to get done to stay organized, have conformity and, you know, make sure everybody knows what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. So the second reason is process overload. So process is definitely key for business operations and managing projects. So, you know, we just went on and on about how complex project management methodologies can confuse team members, but you know, process is necessary for sure. But I think it really comes down to possibly too many processes, you know, can further complicate the project. So we even kind of touched that in the last topic, the last point, the first reason is like, if, when you start tacking on process to process to process to process, that's when, you know, the eyes glaze over, you know, all those things happen. And it definitely elevates the risk of human error. When, the more you have the human doing and understanding and remembering and all those things, uh, the harder it is to actually make sure that stuff executes every day. Definitely. The, the more people have to uh, remember, the, the more easy they forget different yeah. different steps, especially like small steps. Yeah. And like you were saying, like, you know, notifying somebody when you're done with a task, that's that's a very simple thing, you know, and especially if you're working in, you know, multi-team environments or whatever your scenario might be, you know, letting the next person know, hey, 
this is done or this is ready for your review or now I need your part of it, right? Here's my part, whatever that is. I always had trouble, you know, with, with actually team, multiple teams potentially talking to each other, right? So a lot of times they might tell me, <laughs> you know, and say, hey, Brian, I'm done. Okay, well, can you tell George? Because George is actually the next one. Like, I don't want to have to be the stopgap for everything, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, and sometimes they don't say anything to me or George. Right. And then there's a, a drop off that happens. Uh, Asia and I even talked about, about this in, in an episode, but the drop off happens and now there's a delay and I'm not aware of it as a project manager until the next day. So we've already lost a day in a project on a tight timeline. And that happens over and over again. And before you know it, you're in trouble. Well, but even worse than that, like if you have a software in place and the person is using the software and say they just like market complete that their portion is done, right? However, however you're doing it within the software. If the other person isn't using that software, then like there's already a breakdown, right? Because like they're not going to see it or if there's no way for them to be notified in the software that that's done. And it shouldn't be that you have to mark complete in the, te the test software and then go and also talk to them or send them an email or tell the project manager and have them do it. Like now you're just having like multiple people do the same step over and over again where, where it was actually just already done, right? Like you, person finished their task and marked it complete and the next person should be able to pick up and, and do whatever they have to do. Yeah. I mean, this is a big, as we've discussed in previous episodes as well, you know, a big reason why we created automations, just like, you know, you even just now saying, you know, when you're doing the same things over and over again and you, you need to notify people on certain steps over and over again. And, and that process is very custom to your workflow. How do you handle that? Right. So checking off a task, like you're saying in the software is what you're supposed to do. But the person who needs to know about it may not look at the software that day, may not even log in, right? How do you make sure they get notified specifically? Um, you know, so that scenario could always be different, right? Which is a challenge. Uh, so depending on what your software using, you know, it can be interesting how you handle that. But that's how we handle it, you know, with automations as far as kind of creating custom rules where you can, you know, notify who you need to notify at certain stages in your workflow. Cool. The third reason that Julianne mentions is too much to do, too little time. Too much to do, too little time, I think, you know, really comes into these formalized complex project management methodologies may cause more overall busy work for all team members, including the PM. You know, there's more time managing the work than actually doing the work. And you feel almost obligated to the project management methodology like, hey, this is how you do Scrum. This is how you do Kanban. So you may actually end up doing things within that methodology that you may not even agree with or want to do or your team doesn't want to do. But because the methodology says you have to do it, you end up doing it. And sometimes that ends up causing busy work that is really not doing much for your team for whatever reason. Maybe it's a unique scenario. Maybe it's a unique team combination. Maybe it's a unique project. Um, so a lot of times people don't veer, especially when you're starting out with something like new, you want to follow it to a T, right? Just like following a recipe. You want to make sure you have all the ingredients and you're doing it right, quote unquote, right. Um, of course, some people who are maybe more experienced might veer off and kind of adjust on the fly. Um, but I think sometimes people get very locked on to the ingredients of the methodology that you have to follow every ingredient and every instruction, um, which may cause a, just a bunch of work for everybody where they're not actually doing the actual work. They're actually focusing more on you know, the process. So playing a little devil's advocate here, it does strike me that a lot of these project management methodologies typically are front-loaded. So initially they start off with a lot of work, but that 
initial work is meant to ease the work that happens later on in the project. So it, it is difficult to determine if that's causing a lot of uh, busy work or is this going to be like this the entire time we're, we're doing this project, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it is tough to tell and I think every scenario is different, you know, but I, I think sure. obviously somebody tried and true came up with the methodology and the steps and, and the things that they found value in. Things like, for example, a retrospective, like that's something that when I was executing Scrum, I always felt like a challenge where we you know we were having daily standups. So like, why do we have to have a, a retrospective at the end of the week and what are we actually doing? And, you know, we didn't, nobody really wanted to record the problems and the issues and we were kind of talking about it during the week anyway, but we did it because it was part of the, the methodology, you know? Um, we ended up eventually doing something slightly different and modifying it. But again, I'm just, really the point is it's front loaded because they they basically, figured out a process that makes sense, whoever figured that process out and tested and tried it. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of up to whoever's implementing it to either customize or follow exactly. So I, I do also think that uh, like team size has a lot to, to do with uh, the success or failure of uh, project ma management methodologies. Um, like I feel like the smaller team, like if you have just a two or three person team, like, and, and a project manager, like, it might be too small of a team for uh, a formal project management methodology, because, like, there, there's almost not enough, like, overlap with the amount of work, and everyone kind of keep track of what everyone else is doing. Yeah, it might just be overkill, you know, <laughs> if you have a two or three person team, uh, you're, you're, maybe you're sitting in the same office together, or you're on a video call every day together, right, whatever it might be, you're just communicating all the time right so sure you're, you're just kind of outlining work getting it done moving things along in a very kind of ad hoc way that might make complete sense for you you know why again add overhead when you don't need it sure um, now i agree you know if you have a larger team uh, a, a larger business whatever it might be where you know you have just a lot of cogs <laughs> in move in action right something mm -hmm. like a methodology very well might make sense right because it's giving a lot more structure potentially giving, you know, exact steps to follow, you know, definitely could possibly work. But I, I, I would agree the smaller teams for sure might be overkill. Um, and I think too, I think that's really why we typically recommend like, hey, starting out simple, especially if you're a small team, because, you know, I think a lot of people see the shiny, the shiny stone or the shiny gem on the internet. And they're like, oh yes, like this makes sense. I want to work like this. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to be agile. I want to do this. But a three-person team, it's kind of like, why? Right? You're already yep. being agile, most likely, right? Why add a whole bunch of, you know, overhead and process and learning and things that don't necessarily need to happen? Maybe it makes sense for your team, but, you know, most likely you could probably start off, you know, much simpler. Um, and I, I personally find that, you know, if you overcomplicate it and the process, you're tying multiple processes together and the process is very complex, Typically, the process is the first thing that drops off, you know, like the people are still going to get their work done, but things will just start to slowly fall apart uh, because, you know, people just are overwhelmed. They forget whatever the case might be. And it's a really it's a, it's a large adoption process uh, and learning curve for everybody. But it's a lot of maintenance. You have to be on top of everything to make sure things are happening the way you want it to happen. Um, and that just will slowly start to fall apart if it's too complicated. All right, the fourth reason and final reason are people, politics, and budget. So people, primarily meaning buy-in, 
you know, and a lot of times buy-in can happen at multiple levels. So it, it could be management. Um, they may fail to see the value in whatever you're proposing. They might not give you the time and or budget to actually get it done properly and implement it. Uh, that is a huge red flag if you don't have that. You know, it may be hard also to get the budget for the research and training that you might need. And, and this is something that typically is over, overlooked. Like the amount of time that it actually takes to train, get people up to speed on a methodology, um, any kind of formal training that might be needed, in-house training, whatever it might be, and maybe even just research into your own education. Maybe it's a new, new to everybody kind of thing. So, you know, it just may be hard to get that, especially if you're in a chaotic, busy environment, you know, and setting time aside to actually get that stuff done. But the other side of the, the people side is team buy-in. So you have your team, you have the management side to get you kind of rolling with budget and training and all that stuff. Then you have your team buy-in. So same thing with software adoption. You still have to get your team to buy into the process uh, and be supportive of it, be excited about it, and actually implement it every day. Also, as I mentioned before, I mean, having, having management that buys into the importance of uh, project management in general uh, is, is really important it's pretty important to keeping all those cogs uh, turning and, and, and turning smoothly. They're, they're basically, you know, they're the ones that just oil the cogs. Yeah. It also, you know, when you have something that's working for your team, obviously it, it makes for a happy team too, right? Which mm -hmm. in any environment you always want. So the smoother those cogs turn, the happier everybody is, hopefully the better the work is, the, you know, the more efficient the team will be and the happier whoever you're and you know, if you have a customer or end users or whatever you're building for or creating for, that's going to be a better situation all around. Sure. Uh, one of the, uh, one of the companies that I worked for, um, our product manager actually left, uh, the company. Um, he, he resigned, uh, and he had been there for a really long time and it's actually a difficult uh, position just to, to fill, um, like an experienced product manager. So especially for a product that's pretty far along in the life cycle. So we actually just uh, went without one for a while and it definitely changed the entire, uh, the entire mood of the organization. We, we had been like really bought into obviously having this person that's helping to manage everything. And uh, when that disappears, it's difficult. <laughs> it's really difficult to replace. It's also something that a lot of people probably don't experience, right? Because <laughs> doesn't necessarily happen too often. Yeah, I think, you know, even in our team at Rindle, you know, I'm probably the, the PM person overall. And like my thing is I, I get agita when things are not organized generally, right? Mm -hmm. So even if things are free flowing and we're doing lots of things at once and we have a lot of moving targets going on, you know, when I feel unorganized, you know, you know, I, I say it, right? I'm like, sure. I, I feel unorganized. I, we got to do something. We got to talk about this stuff. We got to get things in a row here. So we all know what's going on. Um, if you don't have that person, you know, that can go on for weeks, right? Sure. And before you know it, you're at a point where just people are just generally unproductive and not really understanding what is going on. It's kind of creates chaos. So, you know, yeah, I think no, one, no one's driving, driving the boat, like, uh, yeah. uh, to some extent, right? Like, uh, obviously work is still kind of getting done, but like no one's putting all the pieces together. And usually a project manager or, or the team lead or whoever that person is, generally, if they're good at their job, they're, they're generally on top of that stuff. Like they generally are probably like me where they're organized, they, or at least they want to be organized. They kind of, you know, see things from a different level and just want to, those pieces to connect uh, sure. and, and make sense. And even if the people on the team who are executing some of the work may not feel the same way, and that's fine, but that, not having that piece is just kind of things are just kind of floating. 
you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, like things are floating. We kind of don't know what's really out there right now. Um, get pretty, pretty interesting. Sure. But you know, the politics side of this too, you know, we had a use case even at uh, our agency that we worked together. You know, we had somebody who was heading up the development at the time um, and we were doing waterfall, right, as our methodology there. Um, and they had been doing, even before Tom, you and I, our time there, you know, they've been doing waterfall for a while since they started mm-hmm. building, you know, interactive website type application products and things like that. So, you know, we wanted to kind of move to a more agile flow and, and you know, we meaning Tom and I and a few other core people kind of uh, in the New York office. And, you know, there was a few people kind of voicing saying, hey, we'd like to maybe work a little differently. And here's the reasons why. But, you know, there was a lot of politics involved in that because, you know, the person who kind of implemented Waterfall and brought that, which which brought a lot of organization, a lot of good things, you know, was kind of being like, well, no, no, I don't want to uproot everything I've built over the last 10 years um, to, to make this drastic change. And he was basically, you know, putting a, a stick in the ground and saying, nope, I'm, I'm not budging, right? And And you guys can push as hard as you want. So we ended up actually doing some experimenting in a smaller team which ended up being interesting and uh, trying some different ways of working, which was cool. But definitely politics can play a part if you want to make some kind of drastic change. So there were the four reasons. Um, but I, I think one of the best things that we do uh, with project management um, is, is bringing it back to just the basics, um, especially, especially if you don't have a formal uh, project manager uh, or, or you're not a, a project manager by trade, right? You're not like, PM certified in any capacity. You just want to kind of bring it back to, you know, the, the simplicity of what project management is supposed to be. Yeah. And this is like really the person you just described there. We call internally here, like the non PM, right? Like who, people who like founders of companies or, or team leads or managers, people who are not formally PMs, they're not trained to be project managers. Um, but they fall into having to execute on those things and lead teams and manage projects. Uh, even people who fall into PM positions, you know, have the title of project manager, but they're not really project managers by trade. They're going to kind of learn on the job. So, you know, instead of again, overcomplicating things, go back to the basics. So um, the first basic is, you know, get tasks into a software, you know, like Rindle, you know, again, we, we talked about, you know, the value of software over, whiteboards and paper and all that stuff. I mean, this day and age, generally most teams are going to use software. If you're using a whiteboard, that is awesome and probably works really well. If you're all in the same place, like we mentioned on a previous episode, you know, and every day you go to the same office and you can sit around the same whiteboard, that may very well work for you. Um, But make sure tasks get entered somewhere. The task cannot live in people's brains on scrap paper on desks. It has to be organized in a central location, whether that's software or whiteboard or whatever you're using. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, make sure once you get those tasks in there, you just track it through uh, some sort of stages that you have. You know, it could be as simple as uh, to do doing done um, or we we typically have a a backlog that things sit in and then they go into um, a a doing type column. And then uh, we have multiple um, columns for, for done, depending on where since we create software, depending on, you know, what server this is done on more or less. Um, is it on, done on staging? Is it done on production? Uh, so that's what we do, but it, it can be very simple, uh, just as simple as to do, doing and done. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, we're big fans of the visual workflow, um, you know, having those visual stages of, of seeing where tests are at, 
So if you can make that happen, you know, we talked even about Excel spreadsheets and like how hard they are to read, right? When you have a whole bunch of text top down and you're reading through a bunch of things to figure out where things are at, you know, try the visual thing. It's, it's, it's hugely helpful. Um, but either way, make sure that you're, you know, you're getting tests into, into place that need to be, and then you're, you are tracking them through whatever stages you're working with, however you want to do that, preferably visually. So make sure you assign and delegate tasks to people. Um, make sure people understand who is doing what. Uh, and if it's not assigned, obviously that needs to be assigned. But if people have worked on a plate, make sure everybody can see and understand who is doing what. So it's very clear as to what's on their plate, what needs to get done, and when it needs to get done. Yeah, and also uh, just one little suggestion, which we had mentioned in a previous episode, like to get buy-in, uh, the person who is doing the that particular um, task should probably assign themselves like when they claim it, when they, they go to do it, right? Because then they're like, hey, I'm taking this. This is something that I'm working on. And uh, it kind of gives you that instant like, you know, buy-in, if you will. And it also prevents like the stop gap, like the, the, the extra step, like, oh, I'm waiting for a task to be assigned to me from whoever's leading or the project manager or whoever, right? Like be proactive, grab it, or you could check with that person if you need to check with somebody, hey, I'm going to grab this task. Is that cool? You know, and be proactive about getting to work. It also just keeps things moving a lot quicker, right? As opposed to waiting for other people to kind of chime in. Make sure you discuss things and, and talk about the tasks at hand. You know, I actually just had recently had an issue where, you know, I had somebody just really kind of working in a silo, not communicating about what was going on. There were issues happening. And, you know, as a basic rule, you need to communicate. Um, you know, it's not always going to be a perfect situation where you're working on something. You're going to go into your silo. You're going to get it done with no issues. You're going to deliver a perfect result. So make sure you're, you're collaborating and talking to your team members. Um, make sure that's organized generally around the task at hand and what you're, what you're discussing. So there's context. Uh, it also keeps other people in the loop as to what's going on. If there's an issue, if there's specific things being talked about on a task, everybody can kind of see what's going on and, and be a part of that without having to be in the loop on every single communication complete tasks like this is i think a big one and, and you know I, I sometimes struggle to do this myself I, I kind of like i bring tasks like partly over and then i never actually get them to the the final stage you complete the task move on to the next thing don't don't have too much stuff sitting in your like uh doing column um just complete a task fully move it to the next step and then go on from there um if, if there's something blocking you from completing that task um you know we talked about this in a previous episode like you can have it's it's perfectly fine to have a blocked column or or to move stuff back to the backlog i guess some people do that but uh you know throw a comment on that move it back out of the doing column and move on to something else but one way or another like either complete a task or move it back before you start something something new yeah, I think a lot of times what happens is that people will will be like, oh, yeah, I can do this, 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 and this, right? They, they have four or five things they pulled over into doing. And, of course, they're not doing all five things at once. They can only do one at a time. And then they do two of the five, and then a priority changes, right? And they have to work on something else they didn't plan on working on. So they pull that over. They start working on it. And then those two or three tasks that were, were not really ever worked on end up sitting and doing for like a week or two, right? And never moving. Um, and actually, I think I've seen this happen even on our own boards where mm -hmm. it's just kind of sitting there. Don't it, it looks like somebody's supposed to be working on it, but 
there was no actual work being done. And that, and that ends up kind of getting just lost in a shuffle. So, you know, I think completing tests, but also like, you know, taking on what you're actually working on uh, and not kind of signifying that you're working on a lot more than you are. Right. Yeah. And then and moving things around where they don't need to be moved on. Uh, that will keep you focused. And, you know, Kanban does this with like limiting your work in process. Right. So instead of taking, you know, five tasks, you can only take two or you can only take three at one time mm -hmm. because literally you cannot work on more than that as a human being. Um, so I always use that as a mental check, even like, Hey, you know, I might have a couple of things going on different projects, but I don't want to ever see kind of like more than like two or three items in a doing column for me because I'm just not really doing it. So I kind of try to do a mental check there. Sure. Yeah. I also typically, uh, find that this is more of an issue at, at the end of a project life cycle, right? When you're trying to wrap everything up and, and put all the, those pieces into place, um, I find it a little more difficult to, and sometimes stuff lingers a little bit longer. Cool. And the last thing is, you know, define a meeting rhythm. So, you know, obviously you need to get tasks in a system. You need to move them through your workflow, assign them, get them done. Um, but, you know, you need to be, you know, collaborating and meeting as a team generally, um, you know, in some fashion. So, you know, we do daily standups here. Uh, a lot of agile methodologies follow that. Uh, you could do weekly, you can have a meeting every month, whatever works for, for your team, but you need to have some kind of meeting rhythm so everybody is in check with what's going on outside of what's going on in, in your software or your whiteboard, right? You need to be discussing things and talking about things so there are no roadblocks, there are no issues, things are being dealt with in a timely manner and, and things are just moving forward. If you don't have the communication, sometimes a lot of people just assume things are going swimmingly and then you, you get to Friday and you realize that you didn't get half the stuff done you were supposed to. Uh, so it's really important to establish something that works for your team. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about that, uh, we have a whole, a whole podcast episode dedicated to that, episode five. Uh, check it out. How to find your meeting rhythm. There you go. Cool. So let's move on to some tips for taking action. So, you know, we did it ourselves. Like, if you're going to try something, if you, if you are set on a methodology, um, or you're going to try something simpler and start with the basics or, or what we talk about the visual workflow, you know, start in a small team on small projects, you know, that will keep the cost and the risk a lot lower. So instead of thinking about, I'm going to roll out a complex project management methodology across my entire department, uh, and I'm going to get it done in three months time, because like we said, a lot of times at the end of that, you'll realize, Oh, this is really complex and this is falling apart and you've already, you know, implemented three months of effort um, to get it done. So try to think smaller, start with small teams, test it out. If it's something drastically different, especially try it out on a project, but keep it small, keep it controlled, figure out what's going to work, what's not going to work. And then maybe you'll get to a, a result that you can roll out to, you know, bigger parts of the team or company. Yeah, sure. And, and, and follow the recipe uh, for the, the first project um, and take notes as you go, uh, because obviously you'll most likely make it your own uh, to some extent, as, yeah. as people do with, you know, that's why cooking is a good analogy. You know, you, you make a recipe in cooking your own. Um, you will make your methodology <laughs> your own at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I think just generally not overcomplicating things you know, always starting from the simplest point. I think, you know, we talk about that over and over again, 
um, just because, you know, we always try to catch ourselves from overcomplicating things all the time, you know, and it's really hard to do, <laughs> you know, like your brain starts going, you're thinking about all the great things that can happen and the magic that's going to happen. But, you know, whether you're rolling out a project management methodology, building a software feature or putting together a marketing plan, the more complex it is, the harder it's going to be to get done and execute. So keep things simple and then kind of build on that from there and, and build momentum. Absolutely. Yeah. And the more, more things that can go wrong too. If you are looking for a simple process, uh, check out episode four, a uh, baseline workflow for any team. Uh, that's another podcast episode. We're really plugging the podcast today. Um, <laughs> Lots of podcast references. <laughs> Definitely. Um, we mentioned visual workflow kind of a couple times. We talk about that. Um, but we do have a baseline workflow that we recommend to our customers um, that we use generally ourselves. And uh, it is simple. And we actually go into, you know, how to set up that workflow, how that process should flow. Uh, and it's very simple to wrap your head around. So if you're looking for that easy starting point, uh, that'd be a great episode to check out. And it is generally, you know, easier than Kanban. So, and, and again, I consider Kanban one of the easiest methodologies out there. That's a great place to start, but this is even easier than that. It has less rules and less guides to follow that might be that kind of ground starting point that you can graduate into something like Kanban or beyond. So it's a pretty interesting listen. Yeah, and, and again, if you, if you do have questions or you want to run anything by, by us, like uh, Brian will literally talk your ear off about project management. Uh, oh, you figured out that I can talk about this stuff all day? Yeah, and he seems to actually enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, again, don't don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, the email, again, is workflow at rindle.com. Well, I think that about wraps us up for the day. If you have a question for us, you can call it into our voicemail number at 860-577-2293, or you can email it to us at workflow at rindle.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Thunder Rock by Magic Studio, used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for Workflow, and visit rindle.com slash workflow dash podcast for a full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.